Well, Brian Kelly and Matt House have a very important search ahead of them. And they understand how important it is. So they are not rushing the process, even in the slightest. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, you can find us on YouTube as well. Watch the podcast, listen to the podcast, watch it on your desktop, on your smart TV, listen on the go. Just always appreciate y'all for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I'm your host, as I am every day. You can find me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1, or you can follow along for podcast updates at Locked on LSU. Now, if you're here frequently, thanks for coming back. Always appreciate you. But uh, you will notice that I have a new mic today, experimenting with some new audio hardware. So that's why it looks so obnoxiously large. Um, When I ordered this mic, apparently I ordered the mic stand for Giants. Um, So we'll just play with it. We'll experiment. We're all, you know, we're all here for for good fun. I want to get into some weekend updates. No, no pun intended. Um, just some things that you miss, may have missed over the weekend. But I want to start with this because we've gotten some really valuable information from Brian Kelly, from Mike Denbrock, from Matt House over the last week or so of spring practices as LSU starts to ramp things up for the spring game um, in, later in April. And it's really, I call it a spring game. It's it's not what it's going to be. Brian Kelly has already told, um, has already told, us reporters, media fans, it's not going to be a true spring game, purple versus gold, purple versus white, however they want to, you know, call the team names. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be a true game, but you're at least going to see who's been getting some work. You're going to see some of the young guys that we haven't seen yet. So um, I'll say we're ramping up for the spring game. Just keep in mind that's not exactly clearly what it is. But before we get into some of the spring updates, I got to let y'all know that today's edition of Locked on LSU is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and more importantly, affordable. So that's why it's America's number one meal kit. So go to HelloFresh.com slash college 60 and use code college 60 C O L L E G E six zero for 60% off plus free shipping. So pretty great deal there. But one of the biggest storylines that we're going to see follow LSU throughout the offseason, of course, it's going to be the transfers. Of course, we're going to be looking at the freshmen. Of course, we're going to be looking at the quarterbacks. But now there is a new hole or a new question mark that has emerged since defensive line coach Jamar Kane decided to leave LSU and head to the NFL. Now, don't blame him in the slightest. He had a great opportunity to follow Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. Um, good for Jamar Kane. He is a wonderful coach. I think we saw that unfold display this past season. Season, uh, uh, just given how solid LSU's defensive line was in Brian Kelly's just first season. So he's earned that opportunity to coach at the next level. But it does leave a very obvious and big hole for LSU's defensive line. Now, this is something that we've touched on several times on the podcast before, but just to reiterate that, LSU is dealing with a good bit of injuries during spring practice, especially on the defensive side of the ball especially on the defensive line. 
We know Makai Wingo had a, a, a injury corrective surgery at the end of last season. We know Mason Smith obviously tore his ACL at the beginning of this past season against Florida State. And Mason Smith isn't going to be a full go probably during spring. Um, but so you have all of these holes on the defensive line, at least for now. But it's I've said it before, and I stand by it. It's a good thing in the weirdest way possible. If you want to find the, the teeniest, tiniest silver lining and maybe a dark gray cloud over this position group for now, it is that some of these young guys get some work. Some of these transfers get first team reps. So those are all good things. But they just don't have that coach in place in order to coach them up to evaluate the young talent, to evaluate the transfers. Yes, they have guys within the building. Gerald Chapman is one of them that Brian Kelly mentions, who uh, is a defensive analyst for LSU. He served as the defensive line coach at Colorado this past year. He's been serving as kind of the interim uh, defensive line coach. And, And Brian Kelly mentioned him and how they're approaching this defensive line coaching searching process. This was Brian Kelly. Just yeah, you know, with the defensive line, how how are you guys working things around right now with with Jamar gone, and and just when do you kind of expect maybe something to happen there? You know, Coach Chapman, uh, as you, as you know, is is a you know uh, a well credentialed, um, experienced uh, defensive line coach. So you know, obviously, he's coaching um, you know the the interior um, defensive linemen. Uh, during the spring, we feel great about that. And then Coach Jancic is is coaching the Jack. So uh, from that perspective, um, you know, we'll go through the spring. Uh, and, and then, you know, obviously we're, you know, putting together our thoughts relative to, um, you know, do we hire um, within? Do we, we go outside? I, and I think all of our options are on the table. We, you know, we think uh, it's important that, um, you know, this is a position that we examine all options. Um, but again, we have, you know, outstanding coaches here and, um, we want to be able to get through the spring and then, and then go from there. So Brian Kelly mentions Gerald Chapman, of course, like I said, defensive analyst for LSU, the defensive line coach at Colorado this past year. He's been serving in that role to at least oversee the defensive line. But as you can take away from what Brian Kelly had to say there, this seems in no rush. At least Brian Kelly and Matt House are not in a rush to find that guy. Now, that could be for a multitude of different reasons. And I would agree for the most part that you want to do your due diligence. You want to make sure that you go through the vetting process, that you do your homework, that you have a lengthy interview process to ensure that the guy that you bring in is the right guy. Because as Matt House stated this past week, and as Brian Kelly also said this past week, this is a game, this is a league that is won in the trenches. The defensive line, as well as the offensive line, is so key. These these are games in the SEC, in this league, these are games that are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And, and Brian Kelly even doubled down on the importance of, of, of the defensive line and how key it is to find the right guy to bring in to this, uh, to this football team. I think if you would just look at uh, assembling a staff uh, in the SEC, um, you know, look at the position groups that, that make, you know, such an important uh, impact on your team. And 
I mean, you'd hard press to say that the defensive line is not as as important as any position. So, um, you know, recruiter and and talent developing is got to be at the top of the list. So. Um, the ability to recruit in the SEC and, and develop talent has is, is got to be 1A, 1B. So, you know, what does that mean? I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it narrows your pool, you know, from that perspective. Um, experience then comes into being part of that, right? You can't be an inexperienced, never been in the SEC, or knows the recruiting of this landscape um, and, and, and be a, a qualified candidate. He knows, as well as Matt House knows, how important it is to get the right guy, especially for a position group that's not just obviously very important, but also a position group that's undergoing a good bit of overhaul. Jaqueline Roy, Ali Gay, B. Joe Jalari three cornerstone pieces of your defensive line, one of the most important position groups on your team, heading to the NFL draft. Now you're faced to replace those three guys, those very key important guys. Now, it, you know, they're not going to do it alone. It's not Matt House doing it alone. Gerald Chapman's in the building. I do kind of think, and this is just simply my opinion, based off of nothing that I've heard whatsoever, but just based off my opinion, I would probably say that Gerald Chapman's not going to be your guy since they're going throughout this entire process. And maybe they're taking the time, letting Gerald Chapman do his thing, and they'll evaluate him. Maybe they'll look at him and say, hey, you've done a great job over the last few weeks. We do want you to be the defensive line coach. I would think that if you had a guy within the building um, that you wanted to take over that job, that you would probably know that by now. So I tend to lean that it's going to be a guy from the outside, and that's why they're going through this process. I don't know if it is they have somebody in mind, and they're going through that interviewing process, and they want to make sure that they meet enough people, um, whether that's Brian Kelly's, one of his old guys, one of his old pals from Notre Dame, and they want everybody within the building to interview him and meet him and get him um, acclimated to the team, get him bought into the team. I don't know if it's them waiting on something. Is it, you know, it's a, a contract to run out? Is it, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but I do think that taking your time is key but you can't take too much time. You don't want a defensive line coach to come in in the middle of training camp where you're not in the phase of, okay, let's get everybody up to speed about what the expectations are every single day. Let's not get everybody up to speed about what our defensive scheme is going to be, what the expectations are going to be day in and day out. But it's, okay, who's going to be our starter when we play Florida State? You can't have that. You can't have a guy coming into the building too late, and now that coach has to get caught up, especially with a group that's so new. And I'm not saying that it's lacking leaders, not in the slightest. Makai Wingo's coming back for his second year. Mason Smith was one of those guys even going into last year that I said Mason Smith is going to step up in a big way, both on the field and in the locker room as a player and as a leader. And I think Mason Smith only continues to carry that on, even though he was injured this past year. So it's not lacking leadership and it's not lacking veteran presence, but it's not easy to fill those three holes that they're going to be forced to fill, especially when you're filling those holes with either young guys or guys who haven't been in the program, like a Braden Swinson, a Jalen Lee, so on and so forth. So uh, a big hole to fill, um, of course, uh, with a defensive line coach position. They can afford to take the time now, but you don't want to take 
too much time. So we'll continue to keep everybody updated with that defensive line coaching search. Um, I don't think it's going to arise in the next couple of weeks. I would say maybe the next couple of months you'll start to see some names popping out as they start to go throughout the interview process. But of course, we will keep everybody updated with all of that with the defensive line coaching search. And throughout the week, I want to continue to touch on the defense and the defensive line um, because we've seen some really interesting standout freshmen. But we'll get into that throughout the week. But coming up next, a little bit of a weekend roundup. LSU, South Carolina, they tie the series in what was an, <laughs> a wonky series. We'll, we'll fill you in on everything that went down in Columbia, South Carolina over the weekend. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. So there's Grand Slams. No hitters and double plays, and they are finally back. Baseball season is here, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And that's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. So I think one of your best bets, maybe one of your easiest bets of this season, um, carrying over from last season, is an Aaron Judge anytime home run hitter. But if you want to throw a little bit of kind of a funky one, maybe one that might not have, um, uh, that might not be hammered as much around the sports books, I'm looking at Austin Riley being a, a anytime home run hitter in the next Braves game coming up here. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, so you know I'm going to be a homer and say throw some cash on a Nolan Arenado anytime home run score as well. Or you can also combine some of those bets for a same-game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day. You pick your allegiances, whether you're an Astros fan, a Braves fan, a Cardinals fan like I am. You can place a same-game parlay for a chance at a bigger payout on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. Of course, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So a little bit of a weekend roundup here. LSU on the road at South Carolina, taking on the Gamecocks in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, South Carolina is a really solid team. South Carolina is a a very solid team now. The SEC East is shaping up to be incredibly competitive. Vanderbilt and South Carolina each really hot. Vanderbilt just dropped their first game of the season against Missouri over the weekend. Kentucky, who LSU has coming up this weekend. We'll do a full breakdown of uh, LSU's matchup with Kentucky later on in the week. Kentucky is looking like a really solid team. Um, So some really hot teams in the East right now. But it was a really wonky series. One weather got in the way of everything Two, weather got in the way of game three. So when, uh, when LSU was supposed to play a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, it was pushed back to play two games on Saturday with a little doubleheader on Saturday. But of course, weather got in the way. If you watched the masters, you knew how bad the weather was in the Southeast portion of the United States over the weekend um, with an absolute monsoon in Augusta, Georgia on Saturday. Wasn't very different in Columbia, South Carolina either. So LSU and South Carolina only able to get two games in. LSU drops game one, 13-5. And it was, it was bad from the start. It really was because 
Of course, Paul Skeens on the mound for game one, and then it got called for a weather delay. So Paul Skeens was already three innings in, and at that point, he was already done. So Paul Skeens pitches three innings, which is really about half of what you could probably expect from a normal night from Paul Skeens, given no weather issues. So once Paul Skeens got pulled, it was just kind of a, a rotation of arms coming in and out of the bullpen that just didn't bring you the same kind of heat. Even Paul Skeens um, in those first three innings against South Carolina, he was walking a good bit of batters, couldn't really get in a good groove and a good mojo. So the arms on um, on in game one weren't great. It really wasn't great. LSU drops that game 13-5. Okay, no problem. We've seen LSU with a clunker in game one before. Look at that game against Arkansas, giving up nine runs and extras. Turn around, game two, get things together, and take the series. So in game two, LSU gets down early. So I, that, that was one of my biggest takeaways from the weekend, and especially from, from this game two, um, that you simply cannot count this team out ever. So they're down 4 nothing. Tommy White and Jordan Thompson's two-run bomb um, in, in the middle of the game in the third inning cut South Carolina's lead from 4 nothing to 4-3. So now you are getting back in the game. You're down 4 nothing through three innings. Now you're down 4-3. And then South Carolina comes back and responds in the fifth inning with a three-run inning. So now South Carolina leads 7-3 when really they had most of the offensive momentum all game long. LSU starts to, to pull themselves out of this hole, and South Carolina just takes it. And I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, great, okay, you know. It seems like every time LSU takes two steps forward, South Carolina takes four steps forward, and they're just constantly playing from behind. And I'm thinking, man, the way that this bullpen is looking with some of the injuries, with the way that the offense has been kind of hot and cold, I yeah, I don't know how great I feel about this game. And at this point, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. You know, I'm thinking LSU is losing its first loss, losing its first series of the of the season rather, until the eighth inning and Gavin Dugas saves this team yet again with a grand slam in the eighth inning to tie it 7-7. All of the momentum is on LSU's side at this point. I mean, obviously. I mean, bringing home a massive, massive play like that. LSU ends up taking game two in the ninth inning with a uh, Kate Beloso RBI single brings Dylan Cruz home with a winning run. LSU wins 8-7 in a wild game, an absolutely wild game. And I tweeted this out. I said, it didn't even break a sweat. Totally kidding. Complete sarcasm. I was sweating that game big time. And, of course, game three was canceled. And after this series, I stepped away from it and I said, LSU is going to fall from that number one spot. That, that's okay. Um, this, you know, the bullpen had been not looking great, a little banged up. Chase Shores, um, it looks like he's dealing with an arm injury. And then um, also Garrett Edwards, not 100%. So not a full update on what's going on with both Chase Shores or Garrett Edwards, but you've got two arms, promising arms that you wanted to rely on and start to bring <clears throat> excuse me, into this rotation a little bit more that are each banged up. So, and then you throw in the, the weather issues, just this bullpen, it wasn't great over the weekend. I'll be completely honest. And they were saved by the offense, saved by Gavin Dugas yet again this weekend. So I thought, okay, they're going to fall. And they're really the only thing that could have helped LSU or saved LSU was getting to redeem themselves in that third game with a commanding offensive performance 
in game three. Now, that also could have dug them in an even bigger hole. If South Carolina came back in game three and beat LSU handedly, then absolutely LSU would have fallen into that top spot. Now, we that's all a mystery because game three was canceled. But LSU... Monday morning, it came out from D1Baseball.com. LSU is still secure in that number one spot. Honestly, I'm a little bit surprised. Not that I don't want them there. Absolutely, I want LSU in that top spot. I was a little bit surprised just because we didn't see the best outing, both offensively or defensively, from LSU this past weekend. But a really tough test against South Carolina is behind them. Another tough test against Kentucky is ahead of them. But LSU is staying at home this weekend. I think that's been um, a big help for LSU. I think that's one thing I've taken away now that we have a few weeks under our belts, LSU plays better at home, which is not a surprise. That's normal. That happens. Um, but it'll be good to get back to the box this weekend with another tough test against the Wildcats this weekend. Um, another weekend update, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If it just continues my point of there is no such thing as bad publicity. And I will get into that coming up next. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, but check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, Posting to YouTube every single day. The podcast is the same on YouTube as it is on your preferred podcast platforms. You can watch us, interact, like, comment, subscribe, all of that great stuff. Always appreciate you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. So I, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain about me, I'm a diehard SNL fan. I have been my entire life. Ever since I was a kid, I used to love staying up late with my parents on a Saturday night and watching Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and Tina Fey all the way back to, you know, the, the early 2000s squad. And I've been a pretty religious watcher of SNL my whole life. It's just kind of my Saturday night habit. I love it. So you can imagine how I jumped out of my seat on Saturday night when I saw that Weekend Update, you know, one of the longest running skits in SNL history, did a bit about none other than Angel Reese. So this was a point that I made this past week, and that is there is no such thing as bad publicity. But if people want to be mad at Angel Reese, fine, do it. Be mad at Angel Reese. If you want to talk about Angel Reese, fine, do it. Don't care. Talk about her. You know why? Because you're talking about her, and that only means dollar, dollar, bills in her pocket and only means eyes and ears on the LSU women's basketball program, on LSU athletics, and on LSU as a whole. And I understand, and I've seen it. I've seen your comments on the podcast. I've seen your tweets. I've seen thoughts and sentiments across social media. I've seen it of I'm an LSU fan and I was embarrassed by what I saw from Angel Reese in the national championship game. You know, that you can't see me, the pointing to the finger. I have no problem with it. I think that if you are going to have that same energy for Angel Reese, you should have that same energy toward Caitlin Clark. You should have that same energy toward Rudy Gobert, who tried to start a fight in the middle of the uh, of the uh, Timberwolves, Timberwolves game. I don't remember what it was. Um, whatever it was. Um, have that same energy toward Aaron Donald when he points to his finger after the Super Bowl. Have that same energy when Steph Curry points to his finger during the NBA Finals. Keep up that same energy whenever you see male athletes or white athletes doing the same thing. That's all I ask. Keep up the same energy. And if you don't like what Angel Reese did, fine. You're entitled to your opinion. It's you, You're totally justified in thinking that. But she's going to benefit from it. And LSU is going to benefit from it. Because I truly believe that there is no such thing as bad publicity to a certain extent. But I think that there has been so much bad press, rightfully so, surrounding this league. 
concerning the SEC over the last few weeks, I look at Brandon Miller and his involvement with the uh, with the shootings in Tuscaloosa a few months ago. I look at Jalen Carter, a football player from University of Georgia, and his involvement in a, in a car crash that killed a former Georgia football player and a Georgia recruiter. When you're talking about news stories where people lost their lives, when you're talking about news stories where there are, are, are the laws getting involved, that is bad publicity for your program. Angel Reese talking smack on the court after she just won a championship. That's nothing but fun debate and fun fodder across sports fans and non-sports fans alike. Saturday Night Live isn't a sports show. Saturday Night Live talks about the biggest stories in America. And they were talking about an LSU player. They were talking about Angel Reese. There was an SNL cast member wearing an LSU basketball jersey. I mean, that is watched by millions and millions and millions of people across the country. That clip of Angel Reese on, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote Angel Reese on Weekend Update it, it was, you know, sent across social media. I saw local Baton Rouge and local LSU um, reporters tweeting it out. I saw the Saturday Night Live official account tweeting it out. And it had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of impressions. That is the important thing that we're talking about Angel Reese. We're talking about LSU women's basketball. We're talking about women's basketball. We're talking about women's sports. And Angel Reese's NIL valuation has doubled over the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure it's only increased from there. Angel Reese has more NIL deals than any other basketball player in college basketball. And I'm not just saying women's basketball. I'm saying basketball, men and women alike. This is good for Angel Reese. It only puts eyes on LSU basketball's program, and it only gets more people interested for next season as well. So I hear everyone saying, whether you're an LSU fan or not, saying that you disprove of what Angel Reese did. That's fine. You can do that, but acknowledge the traction that it has made. Because last week I made the point, hey, Angel Reese was on ESPN. Hey, Skip and Shannon on Undisputed, we're talking about what they did. The biggest you know, personalities in sports, Stephen A. Smith, are talking about our girl, are talking about an LSU player. And now it's even rose to the next level of Saturday Night Live. I mean, it's huge. It is massive, and they're only going to cash in for it. And I know since LSU basketball, LSU women's basketball, the, the social media accounts, and really the LSU athletic department as a whole, they've done such a wonderful job of capitalizing on their student-athletes' personalities, and they're only going to do that more. So continue to add fuel to the fire. Continue to talk about Angel Reese. Continue to do it because it only is getting more attention on LSU, and that's the most important thing. But that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, some rising and falling draft stock. The NFL draft season is upon us. There are several LSU Tigers entering the NFL draft and have draft dreams coming up at the end of April. So whose draft is is draft stock rather is rising? Whose is falling? We'll get into that on tomorrow's podcast.